Talk to me, Goose. Top Gun Maverick, coming up next. Everybody, welcome in to episode one of the Movie Goats podcast. And today we are talking about Top Gun Maverick, the movie that maybe saved movies. I'm John Moyer, as always, joined with Brian and Brady. And boys, how are we feeling? Brian, tell us a little bit about uh, about how you, we all know each other and why we decided to start this podcast. Yeah, sure. So uh, to put it simply, we are college buddies. I'd say we go a ways back at this point as we get up there in age. Um, we've known each other for, I guess, probably about 15, 16 years at this point, which is crazy to think about. Um, we talked movies a lot during college, and then we uh, started a group chat uh, called the uh, the Film Guys or something like that. And through several conversations and debates and uh, admiration for Tom Cruise text messages. We decided that maybe we should start a podcast and, and talk about movies. So we're just here to have fun. Um, nothing too formal, you know, um, but hopefully you guys enjoy. Yeah. And um, it's very apt that you mentioned Cruise there because when the pandemic hit and there was no real live sports or live anything going on, I decided it was time to get into movies. And I remember, you know, Brady being the big movie buff that he is was going to show me the ropes and teach me about some of the classics. And during this run, you know, I got into, he showed me uh, things like A Few Good Men and Color of Money, Rain Man, Top Gun, Risk, or well, I seen Top Gun, Risky Business. And Tom Cruise sort of became the crux of what we discussed overall. We started talking about like Magnolia and and um, Eyes Wide Shut and things like that. So Brady, tell me a little bit about what, what do you think about Tom Cruise? And do you think a movie star like this is a good kicking off point for the podcast? And what describe what people can expect when they listen to this podcast as well. Yes. So I think uh, basically the when we were trying to come up with like, how do we structure this podcast, right? Um, we decided we wanted to talk about like our favorite movies. What are some bangers? And the way we're going to do it was that we rotate on who one of us will choose a movie, bring it to the other two, and then we'll discuss it, whether or not we think it's one of the, you know, air quote goats. And John actually got first pick. Uh, we rolled the dice, first pick, and he went with Top Gun Maverick. Now, at first I was like, that's an interesting choice. You know, we're talking about the greatest movies of all time. This is a relatively recent movie, right? But then we did have that realization. Tom Cruise saved movies. Spielberg said it himself. Spielberg, the king of movies, said, thank you, Tom Cruise, for saving movies. And I thought this is, John was actually prescient in choosing this movie because there might not have been another one after it. Who knows? Who's to say? We can't say. We can't, we, you know, we can't pull up the crystal ball and say otherwise. So I think what's interesting about Tom Cruise is he's had such a varied career. Yeah, you have him as the young, the young buck, obviously, which he reaches his pinnacle in that in that essence as uh in the original Top Gun. Then he has like the 90s where he's like late 80s, 90s where he's working with auteurs. And then he moves into the Mission Impossible era where he he decides to become an action star in his like 50s. 
And it seems like he's going to continue doing that until he dies on screen, which might happen when he makes his next movie, which is supposedly being filmed in space. But I'm excited to get into this one. I think there's a lot there's a lot of meat on this bone. There's a, I think there's there's a lot to be talked about in this movie. Yeah, and I mean, personally, and I'm going to ask you guys this as well, my history with this movie is, it came out in 2022, and just a little backstory on it. This movie was slated to come out in 2019, pre-pandemic, and they had to do some reshoots, which pushed it back to a 2020 release date, and you know, the pandemic hit, no one's going to theaters, and thank God they did not release this on streaming, because I'm not a big you have to see it in the theater person, but you had to see this movie in the theater. It was the first movie I'd seen in the theater for the longest time. I went, I got a beer. It was a Cinebistro and I was blown away. As soon as, you know, we'll get there. The Kenny Loggins hit in. I was sold. I was sold. And a week and a half later, I was killing time before an avalanche playoff game. I went back and just watched it again in the theater and I've watched it since on streaming and it still definitely holds up, but seeing it on that big screen, the planes that surround sound, this was, this was something that I think people were ready for to come back to the movies. What, what about you guys, Brian, what was your first uh, experience with Top Gun Maverick? First experience, actually, I was listening to a podcast and they had John Hamm on um, and he was talking <laughs> about the, the movie and he didn't really share too much. He pretty much just talked about how legendary Ed Harris was, even though he barely got to talk to him. <laughs> um, and I just thought that was really funny. And then he talked about the long production and the fact that the movie was pretty much ready to go, I guess, in 2019. And then they had to wait and sit on it. And um, it, it just really got me excited for it. But I also saw it in theaters. Obviously, I felt like I had to. Um, we have kind of like one of those like best kept secret movie theaters near my house that honestly not many people go to. You know, I, I miss the days of having a full theater, but it is nice when you go to a theater and it's like a third full, even for a big release like this. So we had plenty of leg room um, and we just really thoroughly enjoyed it. It was, uh, you're right. I think the second the, the logins hits in the beginning, it's just, okay, I'm back into Top Gun mode. Um, and the original Top Gun is amazing. So let, let's just, we can get to that debate later. What's the better movie? But I just want to say I've always been a huge Top Gun fan. So, Brady, did this movie benefit from all the hype? You know, it's three, four, five years in the making. I feel like Miles Teller sort of became a star while this movie was being made with with other projects people started to recognize the name more and just the the whole they're doing their own stunts these people were actually in planes all the lore around it did this actually benefit from being three years on the show i think boy when the, you know the, we say kind of tongue-in-cheek it's the movie that saved movies but it was the well, I feel there's like a feeling I'm, I I went to the theater. I remember going in and I'm like, I'm a cruise guy. Right. But this movie, um, did you, do we have who directed it? I was trying to think about that. Cause I know at first I thought Christopher McQuarrie who directed um, like the, the, the recent mission impossibles did it. But then I saw that he wrote the screenplay he's producing. So I knew that was a factor. So there was a, there was going to be some quality control to it, but there is, 
when it comes to these kind of legacy sequels, you don't always know what you're going to get. Is it, are you going to get a situation where you have like the Star Wars sequels where they are trying to be very similar to the original trilogy as like a backlash against the prequels and then it's not doing enough of its own thing? versus not that i'm trying to get any of the star wars fans coming we're, we're good uh, <laughs> on that front but um but like but there's like it, for the longest time there was remakes right people were doing remakes now we've kind of gotten away from that people don't really want remakes they want to see a sequel with the original cast and as much as possible that, they, that you can get and have Cruz come back from top gun it's kind of like when you saw the first top gun it wasn't like well i wonder what he's going to be up to in top gun 2 it didn't really necessarily ask for that kind of thing especially the way the first one ends you know it, it's got that drum like you know triumphant thing going for it and it's very much a cold war movie obviously even though he shoots down the migs we don't know who he's shooting down but you know it's a very much of a product of its time and in, and in, but then you're seeing the behind the scenes stuff they're going up in the planes the hype's building they kind of made tried to tenant was supposed to be the movie that maybe brought people back in the theaters I remember I went to the Tenet IMAX screening. We were the literally the only ones in the theater. Um, and then to bring it back to Cruz, Cruz was the one that was like at the premiere being like, you got to see this in theaters. He's really pushing back for the theaters to come back. Didn't really work with that one because I think it was still too early. And then when this came, this was like everybody had to see it. And I think it's a testament to this was when it comes to like a commercial filmmaking like this, this just resonated with people in a way that I, you don't see happen a lot. It's not like the Marvel movies where people are going to show up, not to like disparage Marvel movies, but they had a fan base. Now it's starting to shift a little bit. Um, finally, there's a fan base that was baked in. This was kind of like Cruz, basically our last movie star. Can he just bring people in? And I think he proved it. Well, to your point, uh, movie was directed by Joseph Kaczynski, and he'd worked with a couple of the stars here. He did Oblivion with Cruz in 2013 only the brave with teller in 2017 and then got back with teller for the netflix movie spiderhead in 2022 that and, was when you recommended me to watch you're like you gotta check out spiderhead well okay we've talked a little about cruise let me let me I got, go go ahead let me ask you one thing real quick about the movie experience did you guys get the cruise intro when you guys saw it in theaters it was yes. amazing because when you watch it streaming, it doesn't happen now. I was like, <laughs> I've never seen anything like that in a movie. And I was like, this is either going to play really well or it's going to be so bad. Like if that if Maverick didn't work and it wasn't a good movie, that intro, I think, could have been a, a deal breaker. It probably wouldn't have come off as well. But it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved it as well. I thought that, I mean... Like we said, it was Cruz inviting people back to the theater. And I really don't want to overstate this because it's not important to what we're talking about. But this was the first big movie after COVID. And it's what brought people back into the movie theaters. And I think it's part of the reason people went back and saw it multiple times was they remembered how great it was to go to the theater and just have that experience. I mean, I don't know about you guys in my theater there were people clapping and things like that, that like, I only remember happening when I was super young for, yeah. I don't know, like Titanic or something. I don't know why people would be clapping during Titanic, but like I, a big movie. Oh, wow. Like Jack goes under the water and everyone's just hooting all over and at the screen. But it was a unique experience. It, 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 it felt more like you were at a sporting event than any other movie I, I had been at. Yeah. 
Yeah. Other than a Knight's Tale, but yeah. <laughs> well, the Knight's Tale is actually a sporting event. I'm <laughs> sure we'll get to that at some point. But so to talk about some of the other people, we've talked about Cruz. We talked about how Kaczynski has worked with Teller. And I did recommend Spiderhead to Brady. That's because I'm going to recommend anything Miles Teller to anybody. I'm just going to admit it. He's my favorite actor in the world. There's something about him. I don't know what it is. He's charismatic. He <laughs> commands the screen. I First time I saw Miles Teller was Project X, where he literally plays a character named Miles Teller, who's <laughs> the starting shortstop at USC. Like, that's just incredible to me. And then I got my season pass on Whiplash. I was like, I'm in. I'm going to see anything this kid's in. He's electric. That awkward moment. He can be in a rom-com and I'll see it. He can be in a stupid War Dogs type movie and I'll see it. Only the Brave. I thought it was great. I know people have other thoughts about that. Two Night Stand. And then, of course, like that awkward moment. Spectacular now. Just absolute classics in my mind. And so when I heard that Teller was playing Goose's son, I was all in. And I have... A, a casting sliding doors with this but first you guys thoughts on teller i i obviously like teller a lot whiplash terrific i mean his performance in that movie is just amazing i feel like his comparable is probably i would say jesse eisenberg they're they're kind of similar i do think teller now has the better career um i prefer teller but I do feel like they're kind of comparable. They kind of came up at the same time. Maybe Eisenberg had like a hotter start, but they I feel like they play very similar roles and characters. Um, and I don't know, I think Teller plays that role really well. I'll um, check you with one thing right here. Eisenberg could not pull off the beach scene. The beach oh, no. <laughs> I would say crazy. Eisenberg generally plays nerdier types too. I don't yeah. think Teller can play a nerd. <laughs> he, Eisenberg would would pull off the uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Remember when he went viral last year for all of, like the sunscreen when he was surfing? <laughs> if they did a social network follow up, he would he would kill it in that uh, in that. But yeah, no, you're right. It's all right, so I with Teller, like I know that like John's always been in the Teller pocket. I um I was. I you know everyone loved Whiplash when it came out. I'm 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 in that camp too. But what did sell me on Teller was that awkward moment, which is maybe the most bozo movie ever made. I don't know if you like look at the plot, it doesn't make any sense at oh, all. What a cast! But but it's like also like the kind of big brain movie where like it had it had so many things had to go wrong for it to go right <laughs> because none of it makes sense. But it's so funny and it doesn't. It's not like I I can't even explain. That's just like a. It's almost like a time capsule of a moment in time. That movie is literally, if you put enough charismatic people on camera, we'll watch. Like, it's just Efron Teller and Michael B. Jordan <laughs> just being idiots, basically. <laughs> Not making any sense. But here's my sliding doors thing. Do you guys know who else was up for Rooster? Who the second person up for it was? It wasn't Jesse Eisenberg, I guess. It was not <laughs> Jesse. It might have been better. I'm trying to think. Well, oh, oh, actually, do I have? I, I have. I got have a good guess because there was the swap, wasn't it? Was it Austin? Austin Butler. He was. He got Elvis instead of Teller because Teller wanted Elvis. 
Am I wrong so, or am I right? I feel like that was at least that was something. They were both going up for Elvis and then right. they kind of switched. That's true. But once people were assigned to their movies, that what I heard was that Tom Cruise had final say between two actors. They both flew to Cruise and did compatibility tests, just him bouncing things off him to see what what who who had the chemistry with him. And it was Miles Teller and Glenn Powell who plays Hangman. Wow. The other option. And I'm going to say someone else maybe could have done Rooster. No one else could have done Hangman. Glenn Powell was the <laughs> perfect Hangman. He's, you know, he was one of those guys when you see him on screen, you're almost like, where has this guy been? Because he does have that immediate pop, that charisma. And he's like kind of playing the asshole, but you like him. It's what Val Kilmer did in the first one, right? He did Iceman. Yeah. Now, I don't know if he's, like, it's not as legendary as Iceman because, like, Val Kilmer's also, like, has that Tom Cruise thing where that's a one-in-a-kind man <laughs> that can't be replicated. I th I think, though, what this movie does really well is it doesn't have the same characters, you know? Like, I think that Hangman is different enough from Iceman where I'm not, like, directly comparing them. I feel like the whole crew uh, and all the, the guys are just different. Like, there's no Bob in the first movie, right? Like... And, and I like that. I think that it's good that they have like they've injected some new personalities and they didn't just try to recreate the same personalities in the, they had in the first movie. By the way, Bob, Lewis Pullman, Bill Pullman's son. That was a surprise to me when I saw I was like, no way. But yeah, that, that is actually uh, another call out I just wanted to make. That's a sick. That's a, that. That's the kind of nepotism we like to see in Hollywood. Bill <laughs> Pullman coming out with Bob. <laughs> After Bill Pullman's performance as the president in uh, in Independence Day, Lewis Pullman can do whatever he wants, in my, in my opinion, because he's the best U.S. president we've maybe ever seen, was Bill Pullman. In That's the greatest speech in United States history. I, I, I got to say, I might have to, a point of contention might be uh, uh, Brolin's uh, run as a W in the movie W. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best we've ever seen on screen. Maybe we can have a separate episode on that movie another day. <laughs> All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into it. We start off, you know, as Dower said, straight from uh, the the Tom Cruise intro into the exact same text that you get in the first one, where it's the Navy calls it the elite fighter program, the pilots call it, and then boom, Top Gun with the same music. And then the plane takes off. They hit the Kenny Loggins. It's the guys doing the high fives on the deck. It's the planes taking off. It's the guys running with big chains and hoses, and no one even really knows what they're doing. <laughs> and just to use a golf analogy, they always say, like, you can't win the tournament on Thursday, but you can lose the tournament on Thursday. If this movie picked, like, a different song and it didn't work, they could have lost the audience within the first 10 seconds and they nailed it just going yeah, they, back to the well the magic hour the orange sheen i mean it was like because here's the thing is like it's real tough to duplicate having because back in the day they were so focused on having like soundtracks sold separately so they would purposely put in bangers and i was like yeah i mean and i think we'll have a discussion about the other needle drops in the movie I, some of them are more successful than others but you cannot <laughs> you cannot replicate 
just like I was getting chills in the theaters. I was getting so, so amped. But I do have like, do you off the top? Do you guys have an opinion on the title itself? Would you have preferred Top Gun Two or Top Gun Maverick? It's like the way they title things nowadays. There's always like a weird. There's no. There's never any like order to it. It's like John Wick has a weird. There's no like frame of reference for like John Wick Four and stuff. I would say, for some reason, Top Gun Two doesn't give me the juice. Um. I don't know if Top Gun Maverick was the perfect title, but I'm glad they didn't do like Top Gun Maverick's Redemption or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad Maverick's they last run. <laughs> I, I think it plays. I think it plays because the movie is like Maverick is like he he's, he's he does it all. He, he literally <laughs> is a seven tool player the entire movie. He's coach. He's He's teaching everybody how to do it. He he's in the mission all of a sudden. Like he's he, a team he leader. Yeah, he's a player coach. He's a player coach. Yeah. <laughs> but as, even like I at first, because generally speaking, I prefer if you just keep it clean and just do Top Gun two. But then once you see the movie and you realize, because when you're watching the movie, you're assuming that Teller is going to at some point take over the movie. He's the young. They're passing the torch to the next movie stars. Air quotes. But then you realize no. It's not, it's Tom, Tom Cruise's character must learn that Pete, Pete Maverick Mitchell must learn that he's growing old, but also I'm still going to keep doing it. That's not, <laughs> I, I have gotten older, but you know what? I'm still the movie star because that's Tom Cruise. He's like, I don't have to hand the torch off to you because they're still coming for me. That's the yeah. ultimate of the day. Tom Cruise is the draw to get people in the audience. And I mean, I think if we had any questions about what kind of movie is going to be, it's answered five minutes in when we get the Mach 10 scene. And like, you know, he's not supposed to, it's supposed to be Mach 9 day. He's like, yo, you want Mach 10? We're going to give him Mach 10. Him and his boy Hondo decide we're going up anyway. He's the fastest man alive. And then, I mean, just I, right into Ed Harris chewing him out. Just perfect Ed, Ed Harris. Ed Harris absolutely kills it. He, he's amazing in it. Um but does he kill it as well as the guy in the original? It's like they both are so good. I, I both of those, and they're the same character. I guess I said before, there's no character that's the same from one to the next. But in this case, the guy, the guy in the first one, the bald guy that's sweating profusely, he is just like he is the same person as Ed Harris in this one. But other than that, they did change the characters enough for me. And, and it's funny too because like they're also doing an, a commentary because the reason Ed Harris is showing up to shut down the test flight is because he wants all the money to go to the uh, uh, drone program, right? So they're like, that's a commentary on like you're a, you're an, you're a relic, you're an antique. We don't need men in the plane, men in the planes. But then again, and he, then kind of Cruz makes his point. <laughs> I'd like to see. How much did they say it cost? It was like a $30 million, maybe it was like a billion dollar plane. Who knows how much it was? And he just blows yeah. it up because he just can't help himself. Yeah. I mean, I loved, I love this movie, but I am going to critique it at times. Um, and I'm going to have some nitpicks. The opening scene is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, nobody survives that. Hey, like the second that he ejects at Mach 10, his body would literally like explode. Like th there's no surviving that, that Mach 10 ejection. There's just no way. We're so, John, get... I know you want to say it. Let's talk about the theory. I know, I guess. Do we do it now? Do we do it now? Do it now. Cause this is what, this, 
this is basically the the scene that establishes whether or not it's possible. There are theories out there on the internet, Reddit folks, that believe this entire movie is a dream sequence. That Maverick dies in the opening scene and the rest of it is a dream. Well, he's in purgatory. He's a, he's like atoning for his sins. Right. Because he's... he as he, he <laughs> comes in, the bell rings, which is a representation. He walks into that diner, a bell rings, which is a representation of angels. And he says, where am I? And the kid says, oh. <laughs> and it's like 1940s diner in the middle of nowhere. Like, I know. I... That's what they say. It was so, I think the only reason people have this theory is because it was such like a strange opening. It has a weird vibe to it. I loved it because it was so outrageous. It is fun. It is definitely and it's a great fun. way to get him back into the like the why do you have to send this old pilot back to Top Gun? It doesn't like this is a good excuse to set up the plot of the movie. And it yeah. shows that Maverick's still Maverick. Like he's he's still buzzing the tower. He's still that guy that's like he doesn't have any regard for authority. I believe it's is it Harris or is it Ham later that dresses him down and is like, you're still like a captain or whatever? Like, <laughs> what's going on? Because like you? captain sounds the coolest. But I even like the the, 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 the the whole idea that he's like, you know, he's like literally like been frozen a block of ice. He's like Captain America who got frozen for 40 years and they like thought him out and he's like in the future. Like we find Pete Mitchell, he's living inside an airplane hangar inside Maybe. an RV. And it's just with this like antique cars and motorcycles he Amazing. puts on his same leather jacket that he wore when he was 30 and just hops on a motorcycle just grinning ear to ear as he goes to the test pilot <laughs> he's living the dream there i mean that's like the ultimate bachelor pad dude did you guys notice that uh keychain for the motorcycle had the f-18 tomcat on it that's pretty cool yeah. i'm gonna but say yeah. one thing on the title though you brought up hondo i kind of think top gun hondo would have played because <laughs> he brought the heat man i thought he was terrific in the whole movie he's a good buddy. I mean, you love a character that's just kind of like a buddy he's just kind of like hey <laughs> yeah so one of the most underrated things for me in this movie especially but other movies is when that line comes up multiple times in the movie and there's two of them that i love and one of them is rooster being like you look good hangman and he goes i am good rooster i'm very good and then the other one is hondo i don't like that look mav it's the only one i got (laughs) and you don't get that without hondo yeah is hondo also the one that says he's the fastest man alive yeah like that line delivery is so good because i'm getting yeah. like it's a bozo line but i'm like getting chills watching it <laughs> like talk about chemistry though like hondo and maverick work so well like at the end when they hug on the uh on the ship i was like oh my goodness that was it was just like more emotional to me than when he hugged miles teller like it was amazing because <laughs> he like thinks he's gonna die he like when he sees him go off on the thing yeah. he's assuming he's like i'm never gonna see you again yeah. yeah and uh last last bit on hondo for now I really like the fact that they got him a actual replica Navy college football jersey for the <laughs> the, the dogfight football scene. They could have just had him in some like garbage Walmart jersey. They went out and actually got an Under Armour University or Navy midshipman jersey, and I thought that was perfect. Yeah, it kind of played. I think now now is is maybe this is one of the top three scenes for me too, the bar scene. What do you think about that, John? Jennifer Connolly working the bar. And it was okay. I mean, because I think 
Brian, were you referencing Kelly McGillis not being in it? I yeah, I thought that was interesting, and the fact that it was never even touched in the movie, like there wasn't even an explanation for her absence. But like I at least Meg Ryan character was was touched on, but Kelly McGillis wasn't at all. But I mean, it's fine. I don't I don't know the story. But like maybe. yeah, theoretically, like they could have dated for two weeks. It is an interesting thing, like the <laughs> the notion of a movie where you're like, oh, this is the only time I saw this person's life, but it literally could have just been ships passing the night. And I mean, clearly, it has to do with like ageism in Hollywood. Tom Cruise doesn't age well. She aged like a normal person. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and then they just cast Jennifer Connelly, another person who doesn't age. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got to be honest with you guys. We talk a lot about when we watch movies and text each other about them. The ideal bar. I don't know if there's ever been a better bar than this. I mean, you're pulling up and that San Diego sun is going down and there's all the great stuff on the wall. Jennifer Connelly's behind the bar. She's serving you tap Budweiser. Seems to be the only one anyone's drinking. They got the pool tables going. The jukebox is playing the hits. And that leads me to one of the best entrances that I've seen in a movie. When Teller, everybody else just walks in. They've got the camera outside on the sand. Teller pulls up in his Jeep and it's perfect where the camera doesn't fully zoom in on the Jeep. It's still a little bit on the ocean. He walks out. Everybody else is in their Navy get up. They're in their uniform and Teller walks in with a wife beater, jean shorts, the aviators and the Hawaiian unbuttoned, just sun crisp, looking amazing. You knew this was an awesome character. I know that the audience can't see what I'm showing you. Last night we had a party and I dressed up as Teller. <laughs> wearing the Hawaiian shirt with the jeans and the and the tank top. I had and I got the shades. I had to do it because I because I was prepping for this pod. I'm watching Teller. I'm like, is it the coolest fit of all time? It is a very fine line between Ace Ventura and what Teller's doing. I think I was a little Ace Ventura-esque, but you know, <laughs> you, I felt so cool wearing it, I gotta say. Right. And so that's what I'm saying was, you know, what do you guys think about this bar? Like I said, it's my ideal bar. I mean, if there's a if there's a Colorado Rockies game going on in the background, I'm in heaven. I've been to a lot of bars that have like the numbered mugs and like the membership thing kind of going on. And I've been to like really cool venues. I think what makes this bar, though, are just the rules. Like I've never been to a bar where if you put your cell phone on the table, you got to buy drinks for everybody. But I would love that. I would love to go into a bar with those types. I mean, imagine like the Yelp reviews, like some guy goes in and he's a big Yelper and he puts his phone down. He has to buy beers and then he gives it one star. He's like complaining. That would be hilarious. But do we have a prediction on how much his tab was? Yeah, I know. There were so many people there. But There was like at least 50 people there. Yeah. <laughs> well, for some reason, when I watched it in theaters, I could have sworn when it came back that the rule was if you hit on the bartender, you buy everyone around. But I no, love that no, it was no, just, dude. he had his phone on the, <laughs> uh, on the bar. I love that. And then, obviously, Brady's going to talk about it, so we might as well bring it up. All the hotshot young pilots are there playing pool. Do you think, Dower, that Tom Cruise gave him a little color of money action on the table there in, uh, <laughs> when, when the cameras weren't rolling? <laughs> oh, I'm sure when the cameras weren't rolling behind the scenes, he was crushing it. He was probably hustling pretty good. I would say like I was I 
I'm a big color money guy. I think it's Scorsese's top five, if not top three. It's I think it's his most underrated by far. Um, I think it's maybe one of the best sequels of all time in relation to The Hustler. And the only flaw in this scene is that just give me a little taste of uh, Cruz stepping up to the table. If I if I could see one trick shot, rolling, I know it would have made no sense, but just for me and the, and the audience to get that little, that's the kind of like fan service I want to see. Because <laughs> I know he had to be showing like showing off a little bit because he was doing all his own shots in Color Money. He was. And so we got to get there. We knew we were going to get there. We knew that at some point they were going to address Goose's death. And they do it pretty early on when Teller unplugs the jukebox, which is just, this is just an all-time move too. The guy already came in and he's looking like a stud. And now all of a sudden he unplugs the jukebox, dusts off the old piano, and all these millennial pilots know every word to Great Balls of Fire, which is just awesome. But he's, he's playing it and it flashes back to Goose playing it with Meg Ryan and Little Rooster. And then it shows him and Mav in the water. And of course, like Glenn Powell just threw Maverick out on the sand. Because he, he doesn't have his credit card gets declined. They never <laughs> even explained. They just wanted an excuse to throw him out of the bar so he could look in sadly. But I, I will say like, as far as flashbacks go, I actually, like some people will be like, oh, I don't like to see, I love when they busted out the flashbacks. That's like, because it was like a different grain to it. So it felt almost like from the past, but they clearly filmed this. I mean, it's a, the big question is that they're, he's imitating Tony Scott, right? And nobody can do Tony Scott like Tony Scott. He's one of like the most singular filmmakers. And maybe this comes to shortened spots, but I think the level of craft was here. Because sometimes if you do that, like for instance, uh, you know, a controversial movie, Matrix 4, when they show flashbacks to the other ones, since those were shot on film and this one was shot digitally, it looks like a weird, like, I don't know, there's something about it that feels, feels a little off. We wish the, the new one looked as good as the old ones. This one, I feel like they kind of somehow, like, wove that needle. to, to And I thought it worked well. I thought, it, like, the emotions were hitting when you saw, like, the pain. Like, because Cruz can act. People forget. He's a good dramatic actor. And I think he, he like, with just a look, he doesn't have to say anything. With a look, you, and even, like, Jennifer Connelly watching him from afar and and their banter is great too that's another thing because she shows up we don't know any backstory but she's like she's so electric on screen he's they have chemistry which this is something we can talk about right now does does people i was i've been asking a lot of girls like around our age this whether or not they think (laughs) is tom cruise still a sex symbol is he like because back in the day if you watch him in like jerry Maguire in the 90s he's a hunk and there's a lot of sex scenes in the movie the first top gun movie iconic sex scene this movie, they make a point to dissolve away. Is it because people don't feel comfortable seeing him in as a sex scene, uh, like a sex symbol? I don't know. I think that might be a factor. I'm listen. You can't lose with Cruise. I'm, I'm the biggest Cruise guy there is, but I think it was really interesting, and I think it shows some self awareness on his part because he has a lot of control yeah. in these movies, and he chose like we're not going to do a take my breath away sex scene. No one wants to see that, and he gave us just enough romance that we bought it. I feel like. It wasn't. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think it was an intentional decision and it, it worked well, but it was a little awkward for sure. I think like it was like a couple kisses and then a, pil- a pillow talk session and the music was kind of strange and his shirt was off and it was just like it was what I've never seen a love a romantic scene like that before. And it, it it was a little strange for sure. But I, you know, I don't 
I think there was an intentional decision not to have like a true sex scene. And you I know, wonder that's if they fine. shot more. Just, like, did they shoot one and then it didn't work and they cut it out, or were they just like, no one needs to sat on it for three years yeah. and they're like, uh, who <laughs> they're like trying to get like, that a deleted scene mailed over, Brady. Do you remember like it's the the original sex scene is like the blue background, the blue sheen with the silhouettes, tongues oh, going that, everywhere, yeah. and yeah. like take my breath away. I mean, the only thing that's really lacking, I hate to say it, is that nothing comes close to the take my breath away like like gaga songs not doing that i, no, I maybe maybe i'm getting ahead of i'm getting ahead of ourselves we, we can say back to but. back to cruise and his looks i mean maybe women <laughs> just cared less about height in the 80s There's, but he they, did show he's taken his shirt off multiple times in this movie just to show you that he's still ripped you okay know, they, there is one other aspect to this that's worth bringing up i think the original would not play today what he did with Kelly McGillis in the opening bar scene. So maybe there was like an intentional decision that they're like, okay, that was the one thing we missed the mark on in the original Top Gun. Let's not do that and mistreat women in, in the new one. Like maybe yeah. that was part of it. So he him and Goose, though, the, yeah, him and Goose with the the karaoke thing. The you that's that all I remembered. Feeling. That's all I remembered. And then I rewatched it after watching Mav, and I forget he follows her into the women's bathroom and yeah. gets very, very aggressive with her. That <laughs> yeah. does and not. I, you know, play. I think it's very. It, this one's very different. Like the whole dynamic between them is of regret. Like she's like, "Let's not do this again." We always yeah. know and how it's, it ends. So it's like the opposite. The other one, he doesn't take no for an answer. But then again, again, he doesn't really take. She's like, "Let's not do this again." He's like, "All right." But then like two seconds later, he's <laughs> he's back in. But there's a there's at least some self awareness that was clearly completely lacking in the previous yeah. rendition. Yeah. yeah. Then another thing that uh, we ha- we got to get to here is immediately after we have John Hamm introducing Call Sign Maverick, Rooster pissed immediately. We we kind of get the nice callback when we figure out Kelly McGillis is the teacher in the the first movie and Maverick kind of puts his hand in his head or his, his uh, head in his hands. And Glenn Powell kind of does that. Cause he's like, God oh, damn, I threw this guy into the sand yesterday. And then we immediately get the don't get fooled again. Needle drop. Maverick is just, he's taking the kids to school basically. And when I was in the theaters, I was transfixed. I couldn't take my yeah. eyes off the screen. I was so locked in. And it's like, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. It just shows you he's still he's still the badass. He's still the top dog, the best fighter pilot the U.S. Navy has. I don't know. What did you guys think? Was it the perfect song? Anything, any notes on that? Well, I even think like, well, they, they, they start off, right? They describe the mission itself, which they do an incredible exposition of not... Um, not saying who the enemy is, right? The enemy has fifth generator fighter planes. There, we can't beat them in combat in the air, so we're gonna have to do this. As many people point out, the Star Wars mission, and they show like it's basically impossible, right? There's no way that you're gonna succeed this mission and come back alive. And then he brings all the people up in the sky, and that that track hits. And I think again, they knew putting a new track, a new song in there, like a new original, like they would have done back in the day with like Kenny Loggins just killing it on the soundtrack. We don't have that nowadays. I don't know if anyone could have pulled off what Kenny Loggins did in the first one. So I think they were smart in using a throwback. I think it works. Yeah, I think that that song works very well. I, I'm going to just throw this question out there because it's our first real foray into dogfighting in Maverick. 
is the dog fighting the the best part of top gun just period like what i think it has to be like it's the most exciting edgier seat like i in terms of watching action in film dog fighting might be the best it might be the pinnacle of it well i think with this one it very specific i think this one and the one thing that i don't think i think without question it does better than the first is and it because we know what happened in the first right we know that goose dies during a training mission so we know every time they go up somebody could die and they're definitely leaning into that and you know we all know that cruz is really doing it he's making the whole cast and it can tell there's a big difference between between this and any other movie but i will say when i was in the theaters and i was seeing it no one was breathing during some of these training sequences it was the training sequences that were more wild than anything they were just so well executed like to a t it was like watching like hitchcock do it or something where like everything just played perfectly music would build up the tension they knew exactly when to like release like give us some like oh it's okay everything's okay oh no something the birds are coming <laughs> and like all the different things that were happening in it i think i was really that was the thing i was most impressed by in this movie was probably the tension and that i felt watching those dog fighting scenes yeah. so I, I was gonna get into that in a little bit brady but there seemed like there was you know when we got to the mission the thing that this movie had that a lot of those superhero movies of the day kind of the flavor of the week movie now and even like a james bond type is you never feel the heroes in real danger you never feel like there's legitimate consequences but because in top gun goose dies you felt like there's a legitimate chance one of these whether it's a secondary character like bob or coyote or um you know even a major character like uh maverick hangman like yeah there's a version of this where maverick dies right before the mission and he's the inspiration for them to the young guys to now pass the torch on exactly but back to back to brian's original i think in this top gun the dogfighting is the most exciting thing for me though the best part of the original top gun was the interactions of maverick and goose as a unit versus Iceman and Slider like when they were in the locker room that's like, true. Oh, like post game uh you I know I mean the bite the Iceman bite is the, the Iceman, thing the Iceman bite the the when Maverick's asking out the teacher and Slider has the little plane and crashes it and he's like crash and burn math <laughs> and like or even at the very end when Goose dies and like Iceman and Slider come up to him and they're like, sorry about Goose Maverick. Everybody liked him. And That's it's just That's like, maybe the best like, moment of that whole movie. There's everybody, so much everybody liked him. between those four guys that that for me is my favorite part of the Top Gun universe, if you will. But in yeah. this, I will say the dog fighting is it's it's electric. Yeah. I think that, that this might be a good time since you're talking about the different that that, that dynamic. The beach, obviously, the beach football in this was it dogfight football? Is that what they call it? Is yeah. what they're trying to do, playing with the boys scene, the volleyball scene, offense and defense at the same time. I feel like I, I know we talked a little bit beforehand. I think there might be a house divided on this. I think, in one instance, obviously, 
they don't have the track playing with the boys. I, I would have loved if, they, if that was another needle drop that carried over. <laughs> but I thought it was really cool. And just like the way, because John Hand comes out, you know, he's like, he's going, he's, he's, he's going to go like give him some guff. He's like, what are you doing out here, Maverick? You got a mission. And he's like, I'm team building. And then you see him doing it. <laughs> and you've got Hondo, the only person not shirtless. All the guys looking hunky. Uh, Bob's also not shirtless. Bob has the tarp on. <laughs> I'm very happy that they attempted a, a beach volleyball scene, like an equivalent. If it wasn't in the movie, I would have been very upset. What was it what I was looking for? I think there were a lot of missed opportunities. I think it was good. I think the concept of dogfight football is, is a little questionable. It's a little bit like Quidditch and Harry Potter. It's like this this doesn't make any sense, actually. If, like, how could you play offense and defense at the same time? But um, so that that's a knock. I think Hanging with the Boys might be the best song in the first movie, and you're not going to bring it back for the second movie. And the song that they did play, I was like, come on, man. I don't even know what this is. It sounds like, like, uh, I don't know, like yeah. a... I don't even. I, I don't even know what that is. It's like a like cake by could, the ocean type of genre. Yeah, it's kind of brought in like very... a little bit of a like Imagine Dragons Saturday Night College Football or something. <laughs> well, it's a, you know what it is. It's it almost like Fallout Boy or something, man. You're like seeing a version of the movie where if they had tried to do all original tracks, kind of like contemporary tracks, we would have gotten all of that. So it was almost like a, a peek into another version of the movie that I'm glad we didn't get. But like I will say, like so when they playing, they're playing dogfight football. I'm like confused, right? But I feel like the reveal when they do that overhead shot when they're doing the mission and they're actually dogfighting and it's clearly replicating dogfight football. I was like, <laughs> that is dogfight football was the most genius thing because it also, showed how genius Maverick was teaching them how to play. I'm gonna say it, the third knock I have on it. All these guys <laughs> went to Navy. I didn't see any triple option out there <laughs> at all. It was. <laughs> Too I don't much know what I was looking pass. at, but there was no triple option. It was not authentic. I agree with that. Too much forward pass, not enough ground and pound. <laughs> but, like, my favorite part of that whole scene is Mav, like, walking back to his chair after he scores a touchdown. And he, like, gives a nod to Connolly at the bar because, of course, they're playing right outside her bar. And he's just tanning, living it up. And all of a sudden... <laughs> the shade comes over him because John Hamm's standing in the, in the sun. And he's like, he. I think he has legitimate beef here. This is a time-sensitive mission. And he's like, yeah. you've all you've done is proven that this is not a possible mission for these people to fly. And we're out here having beach games. Then yeah. Maverick's just like, you wanted a team, there's your team. And they're like carrying Bob off like he's Rudy. <laughs> It's just a sick one-liner, which I think is is a time we have a little ham corner. But I I I've like just specifically talking about Ham's movie career post Mad Men, right? He does Mad Men, one of the great you know character performances of all time, and he's been he his post movie career has been interesting to behold. And I think he weirdly was used perfectly here, but you almost feel like he should be like. In, in a scenario where he's like Tom Cruise at some point. I know he never yeah. really like leaned into it, but I don't know. Do you guys have any opinions on him? Like just in general, especially his movie work? Does he have the ability to get goofy like Cruise can? Cruise can oh, turn he's, on. He only does comedies. I would say almost his, his, his downfall. He's, he's hilarious in like Bridesmaids and stuff. I mean, 
New Fletch. He's the new Fletch, which I have a. I'm I'm big OG Fletch guy, and then they brought him back in that recent movie, which and I wasn't as into it as a lot of people were. I love, he's in Baby Driver. Yeah, that, yeah. I I mean, I loved him in this. I thought he was great. His character. I wish that he was right more. I feel like he was just, just like an wrong. idiot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, like it was essentially like he should have had a dunce cap on during the entire movie because it was like Maverick was just like, nah, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> we're gonna lower the floor. This is how we're gonna do the mission. It was like he never like he came around on Maverick and he kind of like let him, you know, run the mission how he wanted to, but it, it was it was like it, he seemed too dumb to me. Like I wish that Ham could have at least taught Maverick something, you know. Like just just something small, like more, more contributions from him, I think would have made his character more effective. But I I still loved him, and I still thought he was very good in it. He also to me seemed like he wasn't a Top Gun type pilot. Like he he was, as you said, he was so conservative. He's like, we're gonna bump up the the time to target to four minutes, and he he never seemed to have any sense of urgency. Whereas Iceman's whole thing in the first one was maverick you're dangerous but iceman still flew like a motherfucker like he yeah. still like flew with his hair on fire and everything like that ham kind of seemed like he was a united airlines pilot that they put in like a <laughs> navy the, didn't they make a point to say that he was number one in his class and he's like just like you mav and then mav's like i was number two <laughs> yes they did they did so i mean i don't know if this was like a draft class where like Nicholas Shkidis Vili went number one instead of LeBron James <laughs> or something. But like John Hamm just, I mean, I think he played, this is how I think he's the best in movies is when he kind of plays this like stick in the mud prick kind of guy. But to me, he just wasn't believable as a, a top gun instructor. What, what do you guys think? Would you have preferred Ed Harris had run the whole movie and you swap him in for John Hamm with that? <laughs> Would that be what we need? I would have. I personally would have loved that because I love. I love, that. I love Ed Harris. I think he's fantastic. <laughs> but that's not a knock on him. But yeah, that's not a knock on him. Just Ed yeah. Harris. I mean, also can Ed Harris sustain the energy he had in that opening scene? A whole movie. I don't know if anyone could know. possibly do that. No, and that's and that's the reason I say no. That I think that you need Ham to be a little bit more cool headed and 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 even when he's like your ground grounded Maverick permanently. He says it in a way that's like a little bit level-headed, whereas Harris was, he was throwing heat, even though he wasn't screaming or anything. <clears throat> he was throwing 98 miles an hour. Just and he's like, doesn't he like, uh, at some point he's like, yeah, I got to admit, you got balls after like he hits Mach 10. And then no, that's after he surpasses Mach 10. He's like, wow, <laughs> Maverick, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. I think, well, this is almost, that kind of comes full circle because I think this is when, like, we've been getting tastes of Iceman throughout. And he's obviously, Ham keeps on saying, I can't do anything because I'm handcuffed, basically, because you have, is he an admiral? Is that what he's supposed to be? He's like, Iceman has been protecting you. That's what, and then, right. which is a great, great legacy sequel thing where the reason, only reason that Maverick has been able to sustain in the Navy as long as he has is because he has a guardian angel. And Connolly brings it up at the bar where, you know, she's like, who'd you piss off this time? And he's like, an admiral. And she's like, oh, again. And she's like, same story. You piss someone off. Iceman bails you out and you're back in the air. And so, you know, that's just the thing. And we've seen them texting 
throughout the movie. Which is interesting because we know he's going to be in the movie. I, you, we heard going in Val Kilmer's, and we know you know he had his uh, sickness, so he obviously um, was it throat cancer. Yeah, he had. Yeah, I think I believe it was throat cancer. And so we know that he can't like speak the way he used to. So we're wondering how is he going to be implemented in the movie? Because um, we we want him back in the movie, right? Like he's he's one of the great elements of the. Like he, if you're going to carry over a character, you want it to be Iceman, right? But we're wondering like his whole character in the first one was like he he had a great mouth. He's like great one liners, and then when he's like the textings are so. I also old man texting. They end every sentence in a period, which kind of rules. <laughs> and then they. He's like, you got, got to come in and talk to me now, Mav. And he's like, not the right time. Because him and uh, Bradley, aka Rooster, have been getting into some beefs. <laughs> and then he shows up. And the moment the wife answers the door, and he's like, oh, hey, great to see you. And she just, that's when, like, you know, Cruz is a great actor. And whoever they had got is the wife actress there was great, too. Because she's just like, yeah. it's back. And that's all they needed to say. And you're like, shit. I'm going to say, like, obviously, we think of Cruz now as Michigan, Mission Impossible. <clears throat> like, super, super guy superhero action guy and you know even in like jerry Maguire, he's so flamboyant color of money he's so flamboyant i think in my mind his two best scenes in his career are the deathbed scene in magnolia and the iceman scene in maverick that shows he can really act that makes me that's a bold take it makes me so happy that you said that though like when i watched it a second time on 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 um on just, or Amazon whatever not not throwing out free advertisements here but um <laughs> I will say that I underlined the Val Kilmer scene like four times I was like this is Cruz acting it is fantastic I, I mean he's not realize it he's not just like an action film guy like he really is a terrific actor I mean he's been called an over actor at times but like he is an entertainer he owns the screen he like he pulls it off even if he is overacting he pulls it off every time and i thought the scene with val kilmer was i agree with you john i, I think it was truly one of his best in his career i mean it, it i just that might have been like the the masterpiece from the director in that movie the way it was written the way they pulled it off with val kilmer having throat cancer couldn't really talk the communication between the two i mean it was perfect like they they really did a great job with that yeah, I think because that's a, the genius of it is that you see like in the, you know, not to bring up Star Wars again, but like then, you know, obviously Carrie Fisher, she dies unexpectedly, which is like you know, re really sad. And then they try to like CGI her back into the movie yeah. versus just acknowledging life happens in this movie. I think the genius of this is like, we're going to lean into it. We're not going to try to like obscure it or use like a voice imitator and like lip sync it or something, which would have yeah. been weird and uncomfortable. They like, they did the smart thing where like, this is what this struggle this man is de de dealing with in his life. You know, the, cross it with the character. They do that typing on the screen. He points to the screen. And that was just genius. The writing of that where he like, he'll like point to it. Tom Cruise responds to it. And then he points to it again. And yeah. you're just like, oh, he so types, good. I, I want to talk about work. And he's like, come on, man. Like, I'm here to help you out. What, like, what can I do? And he just points. He's like, I'm here to talk about work. But I love yeah. how they did squeeze two lines out of Kilmer. And it just, maybe it goes back to the title of the movie where he's like the kid needs maverick the navy needs maverick and like that gave me chills and then you know it it will maybe it was a little corny how they ended it with 
who's the better pilot, you or me, and Cruz. Oh, I love it. The... I ruled. I love that because that fits her characters. Because that's the way. But even then, like the way Cruz did, like, oh, let's not ruin this moment. That's, that's a nice moment. Let's not has. ruin it. It's a nice yeah. moment. Well, let's not. Also, ruin it. it it did contribute too to kind of the underlying primary conflict, I would say, of the movie is the the rooster versus Maverick. Iceman saying, just let go, just let go. Like that was actually good advice that I think Maverick needed to hear from somebody. So I do feel like not only was it a compelling, heartfelt scene, but it also really kind of moved the plot along. along. So I I thought it was very meaningful all around. Yeah. And I think we, if if we like bring it back to the whole rooster Maverick dynamic, because I, I totally understand where he's coming from, where he made a promise because the reason that rooster's upset with him because you can tell that they had a relationship throughout his life. He has like pictures and stuff like that from when he was a kid. And he's like, basically, he pulled my papers from the Naval Academy, which set my career back four years so that he couldn't, you know, fly. And he's like, basically, his mother told him. Now, this is where the Meg Ryan of it all comes in. I wonder if they had, they, it, maybe it just went in too many characters. I don't know what their thought process was on it, but saying that she died off screen and that was her dying wish. And I, I knew that he would hate her. She, he'd still hate me for doing it, and then he'd hate her for telling me to do it. So I took the the brunt of it. Whenever you hear something like that, it's always it always resonates, right? And I think that like their dynamic really worked. And I think we'll get to it later. Their dynamic definitely changes once the, the mission starts, and then Teller goes into Teller mode where he's like funny again. He's very angry <laughs> and, and well, sad in the in, in the first half in a way that makes sense. We'll talk about it when we get there. I think, but I think yeah, their dynamic was pretty pretty great i think where the, the tension made sense let's leave into the mission then or do we get into maverick proving the mission is possible oh, we know we got to talk about uh do we mention iceman dying the, the misdirect yeah. you think that's a misdirect i thought no because so here's the the reason i thought i so the genius of the movie i think one of the parts is that we know that goose died in the first one so anybody can die in this one right and they do the training mission where everything goes awry where one guy passes out he's like gonna crash then incredible tom cruise like i'm going after him he locks in the beeping wakes him up and they're like let's go home and like we felt in the audience because that's in the audience we we're losing it and then the birds come he's like bird attack bird attack they cra- bob and uh what's her name uh crash and you're like and at that point i was like they're probably not dead but like because like that's not as powerful as goose dying right but then the geniuses they're like uh, rooster they're both alive they're going to be in the hospital for like a day because they have to come back later to do the actual mission but then they cut to maverick we got bad news Iceman's gone and you're like shit and then they have the funeral scene yeah i I do have some thoughts on this i i feel like again i'm not trying to dog this movie but there were some things that i thought were interesting choices and this might be one of them i mean the whole thing they kept saying somebody's not coming back from this somebody's not coming back from this Everybody actually did come back from the mission, which we'll get to later. The only person that died, I guess, was Val Kilmer. And when I watched it, I was like, what is this timeline? Like, Tom Cruise was at his house talking to him like yesterday. Val Kilmer dies like the next day. And then the mission is the next day. It was just like, it it felt like too condensed of a timeline for like all of those things to be happening. So I almost wish that Val Kilmer didn't die. And I, you know, I kind of wish that Actually, maybe somebody during the mission or even during training died. In I, a was way. Gonna, but, I was going to ask you that. If if Kilmer doesn't die, does Bob or Coyote or Payback, does one of those people need to die? 
I just don't think that has the same resonance as like obviously nothing's going to beat the resonance of Goose dying, right? Right. So you have to have a character of like a really substantial character die, and you can't kill yeah. Rooster because that would just be like the darkest movie <laughs> of all time. Uh, like he's like you know, like Tom the Maverick got him and his like son killed, but like so I thought <laughs> like this is a great like way to have weight to the character dying in a way yeah. that like it would just been replicating the first one if they had somebody die during a training mission. And then it would have been like there would and you're not gonna and it wasn't gonna reach the heights of goose. Yeah. So it is I, worth debating, I think though, like do, this timeline. The timeline is entry. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, what, do they, how long do they say do they say they have like four weeks to train for it? Yeah. At the top of it. Something or something. Because like they get like Bob in the uh what's the girl's name in it? Coyote. Coyote, Phoenix. yeah, they, they Phoenix. crash. Phoenix. Phoenix. Because they like go on the mission. Like right after, like they're they're in the hospital. They'll be back in a couple of days. <laughs> well, the one thing that Iceman's death does do is it moves the plot line along because immediately Ham back to Ham Corner brings in Maverick and he's like, "I don't have to answer to him anymore. You're grounded, and I'm taking That's over true. the mission. I'm taking over the training, and you know, we get to that scene where, and this is another timeline thing where." Cruz is in the bar boozing and Connolly's like, you'll figure out a way, you know, to get yourself back in the sky. You'll figure out a way to, this was my big thing actually on rewatch number three of this movie is nothing top secret anymore in the Navy. Like this is bar... actually a pretty top secret mission that he's just telling a bar. The, the, no, the bar, <laughs> the bartenders at Iceman's funeral. She knows that Iceman gets Cruz out of everything. And then She's just like, you said the kids aren't ready for the mission, Mav, and everything like that. And he's like, yeah, they're not. Bob, well, well, it's your job to make them ready for the mission. So apparently she just knows what the mission is or exact what the timeline of the mission is at least. Yeah. Um, and so then we get, you know, Ham upping the timeline. And uh, I believe it was it was either Bob or Payback being like, we'll be sitting ducks. And then all of a sudden Maverick just comes on and he's like, nah, not 230, duck it down to 215. I'm on the way. Well, I think that's what because like the the thing that Ham's been pushing the entire movie is that he's like, we just have to sacrifice them. We need them to succeed in the mission, and there's no way of going home. Yeah. And Mav is like, they're coming home. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. And that's why I loved when he showed because because they they did a great job where like after Ice dies and they take Maverick off, you really are like. What are they gonna do now? Like, there's there's really nowhere for the story to go, and then him showing up, and we're all sitting in the theater, and you're seeing Cruz do it, and we're like, you know, he's gonna pull it off, and you're just like, yes, this yeah. is why I show up for a Cruz. It was a, it was a well pulled off surprise. It wasn't predictable, like what was gonna happen next, and doing that mission was so exciting, and it kind of got you right back in the action. Like it, it it, that was very well done. It got you back in the saddle, and then to Brian's timeline issues again. It seemed like immediately Cruz lands after completing the the simulated mission. Ham gives him the whole, uh, Captain Mitchell, you've got me in a <laughs> dilemma here. On one hand, you prove the mission is possible to do it. In another hand, you destroyed a $30 billion taxpayer-paid airplane. And all of a sudden, they're on a boat somewhere in the ocean and maverick is team leader now he's he's player coach he's officially in the game and he's picking his squad 
to go with them. So immediately we're, we're from seeing the mission can be done to we're, we're doing this. Yeah. And that, now you have me thinking is I'm trying to think of, is, is there any movies where Tom Cruise dies? Like in his like filmography? Vanilla Sky kind of. I, yeah, well, that's that's a problem. <laughs> depending on your interpretation, it, of the ending. In a way, he like, dies in a that live die repeat movie. That, <laughs> I love that movie. He dies movie, like a breaks out of the cycle. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely love that movie. But that's all I'm gonna say about that's it. That's a really solid. I think it's funny because I'm like trying to think like it's even when he was doing these dramatic movies, the, he still never really. I guess it was because he wasn't doing necessary movies where like the main character would get killed. But then again, I saw, the, I saw a Swan beat. I don't know if you guys have seen this. I have no idea. Somebody sent it to me. I don't know who the comedian was, but he made a joke about how Tom Cruise movies are always the same thing. It's he's very talented at something. He loses his way. A beautiful woman gets him back on his feet and he crushes it. And he starts listing off the movies in this standup. And it's like it's every movie. It's like Days of Thunder, Top Gun, like even Maverick in a way with Penny. And there's just so many. Uh, it's kind of funny. I think it plays because again they kind of do a misdirect on us because I think at this point we're still thinking he might die because I think there's been also a a thing where killing off the main character has become kind of like a fad in a way I don't think is good people especially after they killed off Hugh Jackman and Logan or whatever and people are like saying it was like a great like thing and then I know John hasn't seen this one franchise but there's a famous franchise that did it and I'm not about it um but i won't go there <laughs> so, won't spoil things is that <laughs> harry potter <laughs> yeah, i think they killed <laughs> up harry potter um, but uh i think it's it's funny because i mean yeah let's get into this actual mission because this is where the star wars of it all if you're right. again tying it back to star wars this is a new hope but anyway <laughs> we we're picking the team now because Cruz is apparently el capitano he picks the 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 pilots and then was rooster the best choice should hangman have gotten the call that's the thing where like i know we're all saying like iceman gave him a good advice but i'm like all we've seen is that rooster doesn't have it <laughs> like he doesn't have, like compared to the now hangman he obviously he leaves everyone out to, to dry he leaves him out to hang but like i don't know there's like six other people he's still going to chose him from and i wasn't I sure think, if he was the best i think in the tr the training sessions they could have shown rooster do something that would have proven him I think that was maybe a miss like when coyote passes out from the g-force and then like cruz had to save him i was like they, you know could have maybe rooster got in and found a way to save him like that i think that would have helped a lot for that his kids big that's a that's a small thing that could have because we already we we're in on cruise. We don't need to be sold on cruise. That small yeah. thing could have showed that he had the juice. Maybe they yeah. do, and it, maybe it's because I've watched the movie like eight times during the "Won't Get Fooled Again" sequence. Teller takes one for the other pilots, and he's doing the push-ups. And Phoenix says to one of the other people, "Like that's why you want Rooster as your wingman, or whatever, or something like that." where he, he he does sacrifice himself there. It's definitely a throwaway forgotten thing. I mean, he's not really um, sacrificed himself at the it's training mission, but... But then... <laughs> and then, well, and then uh, one of the great moments that we forgot, we don't need to dwell on this at all, but it was a good needle drop as well, 
was I believe it was in the bar at the very beginning. And all we've heard about is that Rooster's conservative. He flies too slow. And uh, Hangman puts slow ride on the jukebox when Rooster <laughs> walks in. I didn't even pick up on that. I didn't pick up on that. That's awesome. <laughs> all right. Anyway, take it away. We're on the mission. Let's get on that mission. The Star Wars, literally, you're just doing the same thing. You're going down the narrow <laughs> pathway to the very end where they, and they got like the laser shooting at you with their missiles. Motion triggered. I I will say I think I think Brian has a little bit more beef with it. I loved it. I love that they made it so simple because they they basically they needed to show a mission that seems impossible because he's like you're gonna have to go straight up in the air and the, the amount of G's will knock him like a normal person out. And I'm like I everyone understands the stakes of the mission. It seems like a mission impossible, if you will. And by making it so simple, we don't have to overthink it. I mean even just having like how many planes were going? I was still a little confused if there was like two planes going at once or four planes. Cause I, but that's also just because there's like two people in each cocktail. Four planes did it. See, like it in was, my mind, uh, I've seen this movie like three times and I thought it was like two. It was uh, Bob and Phoenix were on Maverick's tail. And then two people, I think it was maybe Payback and Coyote, were roosters. So Heyman's yeah. not top eight. No, Hangman is on the deck waiting. He's remember he's in the yeah. plane and he's calling. I, remember, I know that he wasn't like killing it, but like there's eight him. of them, he wasn't the best. <laughs> well, that's just specific. Mid- that, like, that, Tom Cruise does say that though. He says this is a very specific mission. All of you guys are qualified, but we're looking for a very specific skill set for the group that's being chosen. So they do kind of explain why I guess Hangman doesn't get it, and Hangman <laughs> takes it like a champ though. He's not. He's not asking like for a trade. He's not, you know, he's not going to the GM's office. He's like, all right, I'm reserved. I'm ready to go. You know, I, <laughs> team player. Which that was cool. That that's we'll like kind of like the man. Iceman, where you think he's a villain and then you realize he's not that bad of a guy. There's yeah. that that's the we all liked goose line almost, but not to that level, but you know, it's there. Yeah. But I guess we can get in the actual flying of it. I like that. They, the stakes. So we've already established that Rooster flies too slow. And they're all like, he's going too slow. He's going to get caught. Yeah. Like they're, they're going to trigger the, 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 the Gen 5 planes are going to come in. He has to speed up. And then finally he does the, he has the Obi-Wan whispering to him, like use the force. Well, <laughs> well what from- happens is it's, it's, you know, the entire thing is talk to me, goose, talk to me, goose, talk to me, goose. And he just zeroes in on Teller's mustache and he's like, talk to me, dad. And, yeah. Well, and this is actually the weird part. I kind of got weird vibes the last time watching this. Like, did Cruz and Meg Ryan have a thing? Because he's like, talk to me, dad. And then it immediately flashes to Cruz being like, come on, kid. <laughs> but it looks like he's just like, then he's going too fast. And they're like, Cruz, you're a madman. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then they, they drop the payload, they go up, and then do it and immediately. They send out the Gen 5s, right? And yeah. this is another great this is when they show Bulldog football or whatever of dog, dog fight, dog fight football. Dog and I was so amped in the theater when that happened. I was like, it actually makes sense. It's beautiful. When Maverick when Maverick blocks the mortars from hitting with by flying around, that was one of the coolest like dog fight situations there, I think. I don't was, know it was getting called. me going. He goes, he goes in and then flies backwards like that yeah. over on top of Rooster's plane, shoots out the flares, 
saves Rooster, and then gets shot down. And yeah. that, I literally thought, was game over for Maverick. I did because of what we said earlier about Anthony Edwards and Goose biting it in the first one. I thought it was possible. And now they're passing the torch. It, it, and, and I think if it was anyone other than Tom Cruise, that would ha- be what happened. But I think they know that, like, I think Cruz has a self-awareness to know people don't want to see Maverick go down. <laughs> I don't think it works with anyone else but him. Any other actor, it's probably best for, like, you don't need to be a 60-year-old movie star. Like, I should say, 60-year-old action star. But Cruz knows it works. For some reason, it, works. it shouldn't work that he's alive, but it works. I th- right. At least I think so. And then we have Teller, who's resented him all his life, Rooster, being like, we got to go back. And no one goes back. back, and, back. and they're all like, no. Because to their point, they're like, like John Ham's like, come home. We can't lose any more people, which is the right call at that point, right? You see, yep. you can't like, because again, they're on plane. You can't like land and pick them up. Also, <laughs> like, Maverick, just like Tom Cruise, has had a death wish all his life. I mean, so. <laughs> well, it's also like, what is, when Rooster says to go back, what is like, like you can't, you literally, you can't pick him up. So like, what was his end game? Because like, does he ultimately... He saves him somehow, right? Yeah. Because he's about to get shot down. That doesn't bother me as much, but... Yeah. No, it didn't bother me at all. I loved it. I didn't... I didn't... <laughs> but you're right. Like, what was he going to do? Yeah, like, my thing, I don't... When it comes to logic, especially in these things, it's all about emotions, and the way they've been... The, the tension was so high because we're expecting somebody to die in these scenes that I was on the edge of my seat. And then this is when the rewrites came in. They land, you know, they're both crashed, and they're, and then they're in this, like, the... Russian snow, air quotes Russian. We don't know where they actually are. And then, like, they run towards each other, and then Cruz pushes over Rooster. Is that what happens, or is it vice versa? No, and yeah, then it Cruz... becomes like, for the first time in the movie, Miles Tellers goes like that awkward moment, mo- like, mode where he, like, becomes funny and he, like, starts cracking jokes. And that's clearly the rewrite, but I almost didn't care because well, I was like, all right, we got, we had so much tension. We needed that release. So yeah. the years, the two things that, there are three things that happen. Teller and Cruz run towards each other and Cruz tackles him. And then he gets up and he's like, what the hell? I saved your life. And then this is the only thing in the movie that I will give credence to the potentially Tom Cruise was dead the whole time. Theory was Cruz answers with no, I saved your life. That's the whole point. He says that like, my entire point here was to save you, then I can do my thing and I'm forgiven. Then he can enter heaven, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like and then he's like, <laughs> what and then to your point, he's like, What were you even gonna do for me? What were you thinking? And Teller hits him with the you told me not to think. That's yeah. like, yeah, it's like a different <laughs> movie. Like it's very that that's when it becomes very modern dialogue. And it will put again. I'd had so much tension. And it was such a surprise that like his character, Rooster's character is entirely different. But again, I guess you could say that it's a character growth of when he finally broke free and he's now he's like more relaxed. The humor hits in this movie. It's it's not like it overly funny. It's not like super witty, but it hits like I think the emotions that you're having. And then when the humor hits, it like it hits very well. And I think people don't realize. Yeah, Cruz is a really funny actor. If you watch his old movies. He's very funny in a way that like people have no people think he's very over like takes himself too serious, but he was all for making like watch Jerry Maguire. He's like the scene in the bathroom of him and Cuba Gooding Jr. and he's just going crazy and yelling. Yeah. Like this is a guy that like he he had a, like a really keen sense of humor and I think he knows the old style where it's less quips 
like we don't need to be as quippy as like a, the way like you know a lot of modern modern movies go i thought yeah i think the humor worked and it was but it was weird it wasn't this is when it becomes it's most overtly comedic so no, I mean, where... there's there's 10 minutes where this is a comedy real quick. And like, <laughs> like I mean, I was I was texting our good buddy Travis about this the other day when I was doing my like 10th rewatch for this, uh, the podcast where they're looking and they see the Tomcat and Cruz is like, oh, yeah, baby. And Teller's like, we don't even know if that bag of ass can fly. I've never heard the line bag of ass before, <laughs> but I just like loved it immediately. Yeah. And then when they do get in the air, there's uh, one of the Gen 5 stealth whatever fighters, black mask, unnamed villain guys that is in the air next to them. And Cruz is like just wave and smile, <laughs> like that's their old play. Well, yeah, it's a, it's like it's been going against old action movies used to have more comedy. Even the Indiana Jones movies, like Harrison Ford has a like a comedic sensibility about it. Like he gets hurt and stuff like that. And in this movie, it becomes kind of like those like more overtly that like because even when they go to get the plane, he's like just walk normal, they won't notice us. And then they're like doing the short runway, and they get up there and they're like just wave. And then like, but to the movie's credit. It gets back to that tension again somehow, in a way like because it could. What, do they even have? They have like two missiles maybe, and they're doing the machine gun stuff. Bruce yeah. takes you're like one guy with a missile, one guy with the machine guns, and then a third guy comes right on their nose. They're out of flares, and it literally. I was losing it in the theaters because I, you know. Maybe it's because I haven't seen a lot of these superhero movies and like I haven't seen a lot of the James Bond where it looks like there's no possible way they can get out of it, but they do. And this like the the missile on the gen fighter literally went down and was about to explode and, and hit Cruz. And that's when that plane explodes and everyone's like, oh, what the hell? And Hangman's like, hello, this is your savior speaking. And he just does it in the thing that I'm like, there's no way any other person could be hangman because he's so like slimy but likable at the same time. Yeah. And that's the time and where I don't Booster, think they could again hits him with the you look good, hangman. And he's like, I am good, Rooster. I'm very good. It's well, so good. I think it but again, it works. The whole scene works because we know that Goose died in the first one. So we can believe like the way that another movie might not have that cachet. Where they like they put the impossible situation, and you're just like, maybe they're gonna kill. But at that point, I remember being in the theaters. Everyone was like, "What is going to happen?" Perfect hangman element. And then they still even have that little bit where we have no landing gear, so we're gonna have to like crash land onto the onto the hangar. Yeah. And that and they, even that works because then they just give us literally the end of the first one, and then they have the line, "Thank you for saving my life." It's what my dad would have done, and I'm just getting all the chills in the theater everyone's high five and it was joy and it was joyous in the theater we haven't had that in a movie and since i can't remember yeah and that's what i was saying was it felt like you were almost at a sporting event whereas like people were clapping people like were no one left that theater in a bad mood like people oh yeah like the uh the fourth and 16 clemson game where it's like you know everybody just left that game being like this is the best experience of my life uh like no that was one... the best sporting event i've ever been to without a doubt <laughs> exactly but it's funny too i forgot like so everyone uh, a little funny thing about my rewatch was that uh i go to gold's gym and they have a cardio cinema and it's literally a darkened movie theater with like cardio machines 
So I walk in and they have one movie they'll play it all day. And it was the Top Gun Maverick day. I walked in. I didn't realize how deep in the movie was because I only I only last seen it in the theaters. I ended, I planned on being there for thirty minutes. I, now I clocked it later. I went back to see like, oh, how far in the movie was it? I, I came home. I was in there for an hour and forty five minutes because I had to stay to the end. I didn't even realize it. Time flew, but then people do forget. Like after you think the hangers the end of it, and then they have like an extra five minutes where they have to do the the Lady Gaga song. Yeah. And they have like the picture of them together and they're hanging out and they're boys. I think it works still. I don't know. Now, the Lady Gaga song has grown on me a little. Oh. In the theaters, it did not play with me. I, the only reason oh. it's, I think it's played with me a little more is that you can see it's woven into the score. Like, for instance, when they go on the sailboat, they're, they're, they play that as like the love theme. Yeah. And so, like, that kind of grew it on me, but it is definitely not the caliber of the first Top Gun movie. I'd say that's probably the biggest flaw. I love Lady Gaga. Don't get me wrong. I'm a Lady Gaga guy too. I yeah, I was excited when I heard she was doing it. Yeah, I don't know if it worked. That that song, I, it's unfortunate. Um, but you know, and I think that my feelings on this movie, just to wrap it all up for me personally, it was fantastic. It was amazing. Like so many like surprises that went really well. I don't think I've ever seen a movie that I feel like missed a lot of opportunities. And I actually disagreed with some of the things they did. But at the end of the movie, I was like, that was amazing. That was like perfect in a way. Like it had, like, I feel like I've never seen a movie that felt like it had so many flaws that I still loved so much, you know, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't think the original Top Gun. And I think part of the reason why Maverick is that way is because it does so much. There, there are like, you've got the, 10 minute scene to start with him going Mach 10. And it's like, that's a, that's pretty serious. This dude just ejected going Mach 10 in the first 10 minutes. And we're already in this. And like, there's so many more, there's honestly more characters in Maverick than the original, the original, you really only get to know like three of the, the pilots. And this one, you get to know the characters more. There's just a lot more going on. And I think they pull off enough of it where I think the movie truly is like a cinematic masterpiece in a way and you guys are right that that genre of people clapping in the theater people cheering in the theater we haven't seen that since the 90s probably since maybe early 2000s and this movie does it so well and it was almost like it brought the genre back and the fact that it did that just made it such a success to me so i mean overall i'm i'm gonna say it i'm gonna say that this movie is is one of the goats um i think what we should establish for the audience we have three we judge movies in a criteria it's a sliding scale of three it's either not one of the goats one of the goats or the goat so those that's the way that our, our sliding scale so you're going in the middle you're saying it's one of the goats one of the goats which is a that it means that is a resounding success in, in my book movie yeah i think you know it doesn't even have the greatest beach football scene in history. I think Point Break has that. They're just, there. just a couple too many misses for me. But overall, one of the goats, 100%. It was extremely successful, and I absolutely loved it. I think I'll go, ne I'll, I'll go next on it. I will say, I don't know. Maybe I'll, I'd like to hear your guys' thoughts on this. I will say that I like this one. I think this one succeeds. I get more emotional impact in this than the original. Woo. I thought the, and I'm a Tony Scott guy. I, I like, listen, I'm a cruise guy, you know it. But like the, it was, I think it might've just been the dog fighting. I think the dog fighting in this was just like, 
Yeah. It just blew me away. And I was just on the edge of my seat. And it, I think there was that factor of like, you know, when the first one came out, you had movies like, like the Rocky franchise. Like there's like that hoorah kind of stuff was happening more often. And we kind of haven't had that. I mean, Marvel movies and comic book movies have replaced that. And I don't, that's a conversation for another day, but I don't think they've been as effective as other eras. But I think that when I, wa- I walked in this movie, I really wasn't sure what I was going to get into. I, I'm, I'm in the pocket for Cruise. I knew that at the least. But I did not expect it to be like, I think it's, as far as the legacy sequel will go, I think it's a perfect example of it from that. Like it has the perfect level of fan service. It's deeply into nostalgia in a way that like, for some reason works. Sometimes that can be like not work. And you're like, oh, they're just trying to like make you feel something. And it feels like kind of dirty. This, it feels like they were honoring the past, especially when they dedicated it, Tony Scott. And also at the opening, it says, they have Don, Sim- Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer. I tell the audience right now, go to Don Simpson's Wikipedia page and read it. It is one of the wildest things. I don't want to give any spoilers. It's probably the best, maybe the best piece of writing you'll read all, all, all year will be Don Simpson's Wikipedia page. But he <laughs> passed away in the 90s and he produced, you know, Days of Thunder, the original Top Gun with Jerry Bruckheimer. And he passed away when, trust me, check it out. But I think I'm going to say it. It's one of, and I'm not saying one of, I'm saying the goat. This is up there with the goats for me. This is one of my favorite action movies of all time. I think it's really, I don't know. It's just hard to, I, 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 here's the thing is I see what you're saying too. There is flaws. It's not a perfect movie as if there, there is no perfect movie. Right. But I just felt in theaters. And then when I rewatched it, I was a little worried. It wouldn't have the same resonance now that I know that like the tension of people dying isn't there when, when I know it's going to happen. But it's just a it's just a fun movie. It's just so rewatchable. And I think that's yeah. something a lot of movies don't have nowadays where you just like I could watch that, you know, pretty regularly. If they had if I had a cable package, I would if this was on the USA network, I'm losing my afternoon the same way I would have last after lost an afternoon to point break. I yeah. so I'm gonna say this is the goat. I don't know if we should say the goat or the goats, because this isn't the only it's not like I can only give this to one movie. <laughs> This is not well. You have, to give it, you have to give it a category because I, I have a category. I'm gonna give it the goat movie going experience. That's our take. I would say like the goat legacy sequel. I don't think there's Very anyone good. that's gonna surpass that because I think that we've kind of now people are gonna take the wrong elements from this and they're they're gonna lean into it. I think that there is a problem in that we nostalgia has taken over our culture in a way that I think has kind of hurt us in the sense that we can only remake stuff from like the eighties because we stopped making original stuff by the late nineties. And now there's like, we can only just recycle the same stuff instead of as a, in a beautiful world, we'd be making, there'd be an original Top Gun dropping every, you know, couple of months yeah. it is what it is. I think this really thread the needle though. And I'm it's, it's, it's the goat, the goat legacy movie for me, legacy sequel. All right, well, I brought this movie to the table so you guys know that I am high on it. Uh, but just to, to, to recap, I mean, it had Cruz and Teller, two of my favorite actors of all time. I see myself buying a lot of Glenn Powell stock. Uh, I think, you know, <laughs> Ham, Harris, Connolly, just big hitter after big hitter. I mean, Pullman's son. We already talked about <laughs> Bill Pullman's son being in this. The The... the danger zone scene the 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 who scene with the won't get fooled again 
these types of things we just don't see in movies these days. It was so amazing. It, it was something that I really felt, even when it was cliche, it was perfectly cliche. Like during the mission, when they shoot the cannons off from the boat and you have cliche Navy guy number one be like, ain't no going back now. And then like uh, Maverick hits the target and they're like, boom, miracle number one. And then, boom, miracle number two. <laughs> now they're into Coffin Corner. I don't know if they'll make it out of this. Like, the entire thing was just so perfect. And to me, it's two. It's two goats. It's tied for the goat sequel with Color of Money. And <laughs> it is I love it. literally the goat theater movie of all time. It's the best movie I've ever seen in a movie theater. And I don't see it being replaced soon. I hope it is, but I don't know. I mean, Scorsese is going to need to give me a, a warm glass of milk and a nap with this uh, Flowers of the Moon that's going to be five hours or whatever that I'm going to see in movie, uh, the theaters. I'm excited anyway, for it. <laughs> so I think, yeah, we have consensus. It was a goat movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's, yeah, we're doing the best of three. So it's like if two out of the three, this makes it, uh, I know we're going to have a, our fan base is probably going to create a, a letterbox. Maybe we should actually probably make a letterbox account where we can um, show our movie list. We'll have uh, little categories. This one has made it onto the GOAT level. All right. And so you guys are about to see how the sausage is made. We're going to pick who picks the next movie right now. Brian, I'm either holding one or two behind my back. What is <laughs> it? It's a one. It's a one. The next movie wow. goes to Brian. 